Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone, to the NFT Nation podcast, the most relatable and reliable NFT and crypto podcast in the nation. In today's episode, I am lucky enough to be joined with the founder of Frozen Walrus Finance, Lame Hill- Hillbilly, aka Austin. Austin has been in the crypto space for a long time while being a moderator in many projects and then eventually creating his own. The goal of, the pro- of this project is to give people a safe, sustainable farming protocol that works with a long-term vision, exciting new features, and educational materials that aim to garner a large group of collectively educated investors. Frozen Walrus aims to make the Walrus token something that people will buy regardless of knowing about the underlying Sinorge protocol, giving the token terminal utility and a future to stand on its own. So with that out of the way, I would like to welcome Austin onto the podcast. How's it going, Austin? Welcome to NFT Nation. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be able to speak about Frozen Wars, uh, and I'm also super excited to be able to just kind of be on a podcast environment because this is my first time doing a podcast, so pretty interesting. Yeah, it's super cool to have you on, and I'm excited to learn more about not only Frozen Wallace Finance, but kind of like your entire experience in crypto. And before we kind of get started with uh, a learning about Frozen Walrus Finance, do you mind to kind of give the audience a brief explanation of who you are and what you do inside the space? Yeah, so, you know, I went full-time in this space uh, in January. I quit my full-time job, uh, and I took on... Um, being a moderator in a chat for uh, another project that I eventually took over. Um, but once I became a mod, it was pretty much it for me. I enjoyed the community building aspect um, that, that was offered through, you know, DeFi Discord communities. Uh, I really learned how powerful it was to bring a community together and back a project. So, you know, once I had that set of tools and I've always been good at speaking, I, I really used it to, to garner this trust and integrity in a space where there was none. Um, and, you know, I used that to start developing um, ways of, of making Frozen Walrus and also the previous protocol, Snowy Owl and Arctic Fox, a success. And so that's kind of really how I got into the space. Um, and it really was just like a bunch of hard work. So as soon as I went full time in it, you know, I had I had no backing from a full time job and I've got, you know, a family and kids. And so. I was like, if I'm going to do it, I just, I have to go all in. And I was working 15 to 18 hours a day, uh, no days off for probably, I still haven't taken a day off, I guess. Uh, And I've been doing the same thing for the last six months now. And, um, you know, the community responds to that, someone being genuine and caring uh, in this space. And so that's kind of where I I really got my start. That's really cool. It's really cool to see that you uh, took the risk and kind of, said you know what i can do this and you had enough confidence in yourself to go full full time in the space and you don't have to work a regular job because you believe in the future of crypto and especially your project um talking about kind of what you do outside of the of the crypto space 
Do you like what are your hobbies? Like, what do you do for fun if you have any time? Yeah, well, recently I don't have any time. Um, I guess since I started this, but you know, obviously the standard. I, I love spending time with my family, my kids. Um, I'm getting to see them grow up, which is something few people get the chance to see, especially you know with the jobs that we all work now. Uh, so that's that's one of the beautiful things. Um, and then also I do some. I do a lot of custom work on like computers. Um, I, I learned web design, uh, coding. I'm not like exceptional at any of it, but you know, graphic design, uh, video editing, all of that stuff I've learned myself. 3D modeling. You know, I, I like to do that kind of stuff or anything I can tinker with on the computer. Uh, and I also build custom Game Boys. Um, so I really like retro stuff. And, and I started building custom Game Boys. I buy them and refurbish them put new items in them i really enjoy that so you know I, I really feel like i'm a jack of all trades but i'm an expert of none if that makes sense i, I can pick up stuff and get really good at it really fast uh, but i don't i don't stick with one thing so that's kind of how my hobbies are and working out i enjoy working yeah. out i guess that's pretty cool that's pretty interesting um kind of we'll hop into some of the crypto based uh topics and stuff do you mind kind of telling the audience how you first got introduced to crypto? Yeah, and um, I've always kind of watched it uh, a long time ago, back when I was 18 or 19. I'm 28 now, so almost 10 years ago, I, I heard about, you know, I've always known about crypto and, and Bitcoin specifically, but I never jumped in just because I was busy doing, you know, college kid stuff and, and I wasn't really focused on like any kind of financial stuff. And uh, I was actually going to buy some Bitcoin. Uh, but at that time, you had to do peer-to-peer, -peer, so I had to go meet someone, um, and I just didn't feel comfortable with it at the time, so I ended up not doing it, and I think Bitcoin, you know, was like sub-3,000 at that time, um, so in hindsight, would have been a really good deal, right? Uh, but then after that, I think the actual first time I invested in it was 2017, when I actually had a, a job and stuff and was ready to jump in um i actually bought xrp uh from a buddy that was really preaching about it and that's when i first i first really dived into crypto and started buying other protocols and uh nothing with DeFi yet all pretty face value stuff uh, that xrp is now locked in a wallet and i don't know the phrase so it's just stuck there um and then and then i didn't really jump in full-time into DeFi until probably uh last year like the start of COVID when I really started researching it and falling in love with it. That's so cool. That's a pretty, I would say that's a pretty interesting uh, uh, way to get into the crypto space. Cause a lot of people I know just like, were like, eh, my friend was talking about it. So I got a Coinbase account, but that's really interesting how you were there kind of really, really early, especially with the peer to peer days. But yeah. um, kind of with that in mind, how did you get involved with DeFi? Yeah. So I think when I think my first like DeFi experience was actually Wonderland Time on Avalanche. Uh, I had been researching Avalanche a lot, and I really liked, you know, the design of this layer one. Uh, and obviously, I'm building on it now. So, you know, I didn't I didn't just like it for like trading. Um, I really dug into like the technology of it, the subnets, and and I looked at it. And at that time, it was actually around the same price it is now. And I was like, dude, this is going to go up. Uh, and this is right when before uh, Wonderland Time and stuff had started getting big. So I was like, you know, I'm going to invest in Avalanche and get into DeFi. And I downloaded MetaMask. 
sent Avalanche from Coinbase and uh, purchased, uh, you know, my first Ohm protocol, which, as we all know, Ohm kind of, like all the Ohm forks was huge. Uh, so I actually made a, quite a bit of money off of that. And then, you know, I held on and kept trying to play Ohm forks and eventually got burned because Ohm, you know, the Ohm season died out and I got burned for all the money I gained. Uh, so it was a pretty null experience, uh, but it really allowed me to open up to like the community side and discord and see the power of like, you know, how, how these protocols worked and the community side of it and how much community driven protocols, uh, how much better they were than people that were just like plastering new protocols up and not caring anything about their community. And I think that was my first experience really seeing like, oh, okay, so this is really how it works. So it's really community based because as DeFi investors, we don't get products um, to, to base, like how product sales base, like how high Microsoft stock may be. Um, we don't get that in DeFi. It's, it's completely based on the teams, uh, the communities. So it's all different types of metrics that you value these, I guess you would call them companies. Um, and so that was really my first experience in it. Yeah. So obviously you've kind of been in a bunch of different, uh, DeFi projects and you've been in a bunch of different discords as a moderator or just as kind of like a spectator of the entire project and everything. Can you kind of explain what you've learned from those projects and what you've taken from them to kind of make Frozen Walrus better? Yeah, I think the lack of care uh, from teams uh, really is apparent early on in Discord communities, uh, and it really turns people off. Lack of communication. A lot of developers in the space are very, very bad at communication um, because there's so little developers in the space many of them can take advantage of just like plastering new things up and then winning off of that or rugging or just like taking money from investors uh, and so you know and then also the educational aspect is there's a lot of people that don't understand DeFi to the capacity that developers making these new protocols are putting out um, things like tomb tomb forks are very difficult to understand even ohm forks are difficult to understand a lot of modern finance that's put into DeFi is difficult to understand at face value. And you as an investor are getting like very, very detailed. Um, you're getting tools that most like hedge funds get access to in modern finance as we know it. Um, and so there's not a lot of education on how to use that or proceed with your investing style. And so when I've developed frozen walrus i knew education was a driving factor of something i wanted to focus on uh, because i think that DeFi is this amazing space that people are able to get into something uh, new and fresh and all these tools that are available to increase your passive income or just your net worth and you know i think everyone should have access to that because DeFi is international and so i wanted to make sure that people that were investing in frozen walrus felt safe and confident uh, and understanding of what they're getting into and know the risk up front. And I think that that really blossoms a really special community as well. So that's kind of my, was my goal when I developed Frozen Mars. That's really cool. I really like that you kind of have taken everything you've learned from other DeFi projects and you're like, you know what, I can do this better. These people aren't exactly not only treating their community in the right way, they're not really doing uh, kind of the whole program the right way. So to kind of hop into what Frozen Walrus is and why you kind of started 
can you just explain or maybe give before we get into all that and the more intricate details of frozen walrus can you give the audience maybe a brief explanation of pretty much just what frozen walrus is yeah so you know frozen walrus as much as i hate to say it is based off of tune uh and tune finance is is a seniors protocol and that pretty much means there's a two token dynamic there is a peg token and that token is 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 meant algorithmically to follow along with whatever you peg it to so in our circumstance walrus is pegged to the usdc currency which is also uh, pegged to the us dollar so pretty much walrus is supposed to stick around a dollar and the way the protocol does that is it expands the supply and we are over to try and drive the price closer to a dollar and then when we go under a dollar it has contraction mechanisms to take supply of walrus out of circulation to try and drive the price back up uh, and so with that pu- push and pull um, you're, you're pretty much trying to get walrus into the one dollar range and that is how it's algorithmically pegging to a dollar so it's not automatically going to be a dollar not something like uh you know the uh, the ust currency uh, which is backed in a different way. This is algorithmically designed to be around the dollar. So it won't always be there. And so really what it is, is kind of GameFi uh, that it uses another token, which is the share token. And that is what uh, really is your, like a share of the company. It kind of is the value of your company. And so uh, these shares can be staked. And then that gives you some of the expansion if we are over a dollar of that walrus. Um, and so then there's also LP incentives, with which being farms, which allows you to get more of that share token. And so all of this is just pretty much a big cycle of building liquidity and expanding and contracting that walrus supply to try and keep it at a dollar. That's really cool. Uh, kind of to get more in depth of all what frozen walrus is after that brief explanation, I'm really excited to learn more about all the intricate details. But What's kind of the goal for Frozen Walrus? Like, why did you start it? So, you know, I fell in love with Tomb Forks in general. I really like that the dynamic uh, really doesn't play off the Ponzi-nomics you see a lot in, like, single token protocols, uh, such as node protocols. Um, you know, they they pretty much have to rely on new investors. And Tomb Forks do rely a little bit on new investors, obviously, to keep the expanding supply and building liquidity and continuing to have backing for that uh, dollar value that we want Walrus to be at. Uh, But there's also another aspect where the protocol begins to own some of its liquidity and is able to back itself after a a long period of time. And so the reason I like, you know, that I I designed Frozen Walrus off of Two Forks is that I really think it's a sustainable model if controlled and um, managed correctly through the treasury uh, and through gaining new investors and, and stuff like that, I really think it has the best chance of being uh, as sustainable as a DeFi project can be. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I'm kind of right there with you on believing about sustainability, especially with this project. And can you kind of explain uh, when Frozen Walrus uh, started? Yeah, so it was it was started in, um, I think I think the actual launch day was a month ago today. Um, it was May 15th. Um, so we, we, we've been launched for one month exactly. Oh, wow. Congrats. We got one month milestones. Nothing to 
kind of wave your hat at or whatever just in, the, to... in this market yeah it's it's definitely yeah uh, it's definitely wild because we're still holding peg and we're still doing really well with our tvo we actually didn't get a lot of people exiting during this insane market conditions we're, we're living through right now yeah it's, i think it's really important for you to kind of have transparency of understanding about the bear market and everything like that and it is impressive to see the uh, project continue to build during just the tanking of prices what it feels like but to kind of talk about more crypto topics can you explain why you chose to you mentioned it earlier briefly but can you talk about more about why you chose to build on the avax token yeah so avax as a network i think is the most decentralized fastest network and they have one of the best teams that is shipping really good um so if you don't know there is something that they're releasing called subnets and they're pretty much enclosed layer ones that you can customize yourself and make your own uh, it's like building your own blockchain under the avax ecosystem and so it's really powerful because it bases it off of avalanche and it's still an evm chain which means it's compatible with anything that you can put on ethereum or avalanche or any other layer one that uses evm and um you're, you're able to build your own entire little piece of a blockchain uh separate from avalanche and so technically if we were to launch on a subnet i could make frozen walrus exactly what it is now except it uses walrus as the gas token and and that's really cool and it's really powerful not only that but it's one of the most decentralized networks that we have uh, with the amount of validators um places like solana sorry solana uh, maxis and and (laughs) they they could be turned off with a small amount of people. Uh, I think three on Solana can really just like stop the network. Avalanche can't be stopped. It's it's completely decentralized. There's over like 1,500 validators, um, and so it's it's a really growing, blossoming ecosystem. And they are, you know, by far my favorite ecosystem to build on. And I couldn't imagine doing it anywhere else, honestly. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I more the more and more AVAX projects I look into because I've had a lot of, um, I've talked to a lot of AVAX projects in the past, and it kind of led me to do more research on the AVAX token, and I began to understand why so many people are building on it. And I think a good NFT collection I could kind of talk about that's building on the uh, AVAX token is the El Taco Finance uh, people. And I, I love their collection. I interviewed them. By the time this podcast will be live, that episode will be live as well. So anyone can check it out. But I think the AVEX token has a lot of, uh, has, has a really bright future ahead of it, especially in a bear market when people are still building. That's always a good thing to see. But um, if someone wanted to invest with uh, Walrus Finance and, or sorry, Frozen Walrus Finance, what kind of maybe rewards can they expect yeah so you know our our offer to people that are looking to build liquidity for our protocol we offer usually around 0.5 percent to one percent daily uh which is pretty insane right um and that's that's like the deflated rewards because early on you know they're obviously much higher uh, but we're looking to sustain around a 0.5 percent to one percent daily on a stable coin pretty much because walrus has sustained a one dollar price and the token you're pairing it with is USDC, the strongest stablecoin on the market. Um, so you're you're looking to get minimal impermanent loss risk and also gain 0.5% to 1% daily. Um, so you really can't ask for much more. And most people that had already invested since the launch of 
uh, Frozen Walrus are using uh, profit funds at this point. They've already taken their money off the table uh, and they're continuing to build liquidity or reinvesting. So uh, it's really nice to see and I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking at can obviously yeah, this podcast is not financial advice, but it's always good to learn about more DeFi projects and how you can uh, make some passive income through the world of DeFi. But can I, can you you obviously have been a part of many different projects in the past. And can you explain maybe some of your opinions on great finance and how they've helped you grow your own DeFi application? Yeah, so LB, the creator of Great Finance, um, is an amazing guy. And when I was working on Snowy Owl and Arctic Fox, um, I actually, you know, whenever the developers kind of gave up and I took over that project, uh, LB kind of stepped up and was like, hey, man, what do you need? And for literally no amount of money, he just worked with me on developing for, uh, on developing um, Arctic Fox and Snowy Owl with with you know i I needed no other assistance other than him and so that was uh, a really awesome thing to find someone in the space that was as genuine and passionate as me um and so you know frozen walrus and great are heavily aligned in the fact that we're on the same ecosystem uh we do have different ideas of which way we want to go and i'm doing something different than them Uh, but we work hand in hand with like ways to build liquidity for both protocols um you know we have you know i speak to him daily and, and ask for advice and, and look to him, um, you know, for for different ways that we can bounce ideas off each other to become successful in our own right uh, and stand alone from each other, but also work hand in hand to build, you know, passive income for both communities. Yeah, that's awesome. I really, I think it's admirable too that you're willing to say that you need someone to look up to just because it's, it's a really good idea because especially when you have a bunch of ideas, it's always important to have someone you can bounce ideas off of and kind of gain some knowledge about the entire space and just help each other out through and through. So that's really cool to see. And I'm a big proponent of great finance as well. So uh, if, anyone is, if anyone wants to check that out, definitely look into great finance. But to back, back on to... Uh, frozen walrus finance and everything can you kind of explain maybe some future expectations for the for the project and like what you all are most excited about yeah so you know we're we're doing a lot of revamping during this bear market i just want to make sure that i'm building a professional protocol um so we're working on a new dashboard to to for the user to be able to get all the information about the treasury Uh, about everything that's invested into Frozen Walrus so that you have a a dashboard to just look at and understand exactly where the metrics are. I'm a really big, you know, I really like to make sure that everything's really transparent and making sure the community can educate themselves uh, through the available stuff. But we're also working on a lot of things for utility for Walrus uh, because we have a 365 day emission schedule for Walrus share. And once that ends, we cannot incentivize LP. Um, and so what that means is that our LP farms will no longer print, which means that liquidity will be taken out regardless of what we do. Even if we say, hey, community, please don't take your LP out. Uh, obviously, no one's going to listen to that. They're not gaining anything from it. Um, so our goal is to kind of gain over 50 percent of the protocol's liquidity through the Treasury so that regardless, after a year, um, we we built up enough liquidity that Walrus is completely tradable without any users uh adding liquidity pools to our tokens. Um, And so that's one of our big goals. And then also we have things 
core utility for walrus to control that inflation uh, and you know deflation is that we have a trading card game coming out uh, that will work a lot like how you see games like Hearthstone and stuff like that. Uh, we'll have an entire NFT collection of card packs that you purchase with walrus. You can trade it for walrus and a percentage of that walrus will of course be burned. Um, so I'm really excited for the, you know, the development of that to come out. Um, we're looking in, at a timeline of about six months um, just to make sure that the, you know, the indie devs that we've put on uh, have the time to make a complete product. Because I don't want just like some gimmicky NFT game. I actually want something that's like fun, right? Um, and, and so... Yeah, the only way you're really going to grow is if you make something that people are actually going to play. Exactly. And so we, we, have, um, we have that coming out. We also have... A, we have an NFT collection coming out that will be more GameFi than something like um, what Grape offers, which is kind of like a, a revenue sharing from their nodes. Uh, and that's what you get through theirs. And their, their NFTs went really successful and it was a really smart way to do it. But I wanted to have like an own, uh, oh, an NFT that had an actual GameFi scenario similar to what's on the market right now. Um, so we're also producing those. Um, we also have a second PEG token coming out. So instead of just having Walrus pegged to uh, USDC, uh, we have Narwhal token, which will be pegged to something entirely different. And you could still use your Walrus share to stake and gain this new Narwhal token. Um, so that'll be really interesting. And it usually drives a lot of revenue straight to the, uh, the share price because it has more utility. Um, so everything we do is trying to, one, give utility to Walrus and Narwhal, but two, also, um, you know, bolster new liquidity into the protocol, gaining that total value locked and continuing to build deep liquidity so that our tokens are tradable. That's awesome. I'm really excited about the future of your project. I'm going to continue to uh, follow you all along while you continue to build, even though there is a um, bear market currently and we have no idea what's going to happen with the future of crypto. But obviously, I'm bullish, and I think crypto is here to stay. So I will continue to uh, be in the market. But can the, on the topic of the bear market, can you kind of talk about maybe your personal feelings about how you feel about the market and how it kind of can, can affect a DeFi application? Yeah, so, you know, bear markets were going to come. Uh, anybody that was looking at the macro economy, could see that inflation was getting to be too much and still is. Uh, and so, you know, obviously DeFi follows Bitcoin and Bitcoin f follows the broader economy. And so with that, you know, we knew that Bitcoin and all other currencies would eventually fall short um, with this market. And it did. Uh, I don't know that I expected to do this, uh, but I think what happened was that with UST, and some other things there was just so much fear already in the market that people did not feel confident holding their assets which is pretty normal um, so we're currently what i call ripping the band-aid off um, and that's good because it what happens when you're an actual builder in DeFi and you're actually here for the right reasons is that uh, it's kind of a reset to the ecosystem in general uh, we're kind of you know weeding out the projects that don't really care uh, the projects that aren't looking to innovate or build in the space um, legitimately, they're kind of just here uh, to gain as much money as they can and, and exit. Um, and so now people that are still invested in DeFi projects can get a full understanding of the people that actually had good intentions and what to build. And, and I'm here because I love DeFi and I fully expect it to be 
uh, completely developed and changed in the next 20 years, right? It'll be, we're laying the fa- foundation for how our kids or, or your generation uh, will will be using DeFi. And I'm sure there'll be tons of new regulations and stuff like that, but we're in the early days of it. And so we're taking on the biggest risk and also the biggest reward of that. And um, I think it's a beautiful thing to still be a part of DeFi, even when it's bad, right? You can't just say, I love DeFi because every project that releases is going up a thousand X. You got to love DeFi as a whole to be able to build in this condition. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's really uh, admirable for not only you just to continue building and kind of being transparent about that whole process, but also the fact that you're, uh, you feel confident enough about your project to come on the podcast today does say a lot about how you feel about um, building and continuing to build on your project because you believe that you're going to be around for a while. So you might as well do a podcast to get the word out. So I just want to thank you again for coming on today. And uh, is there anything else? I kind of want to give you the floor to maybe let the audience know anything you want them, anything you want to tell them, just feel free. I'll kind of just give you the floor and Maybe if you want to shill something, go right ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll just give you the floor right now. Yeah, so, you know, just for anybody that's listening, uh, first off, if you've lost a lot of money in the bear market or this least recent crash, I feel for you. I understand that it hurts. Um, but, you know, there's better days ahead. Bear markets do not last forever. Uh, and this is a very pivotal moment for most investors. Um, you're, what you're going to do here, and a lot of people have fear, they back out. Right, and they back out, and then they're not ready for the potential gains that come with the next bull run. And uh, so, anybody that is hurt or hurting, understand that you may have put too money, too much money into this. Your brother, your sister, your mother, whoever told you to get into DeFi, may have misrepresented the risk that comes with this. Uh, but keep trying, keep understanding, and, and you will get there. I promise you. It's it's not some Da Vinci code. Um, DeFi investing is difficult and it comes with a lot of risk, uh, but there is ways to be risk adverse in developing your investment style to be successful in this. And so I hope that if you are turned off by this recent crash, um, that maybe these words can help you. Um, and, and also, you know, um, th- thanks for having me up. I-, I-, I love talking about DeFi. I love being here. I'm very passionate and, you know, regardless of the market conditions, regardless of the prices of my two tokens, I will continue to execute this roadmap and I will continue developing Frozen Walrus uh, for the next however long that, you know, I'm alive. And so I hope that gives, you know, investors confidence, regardless of the price that I will continue to build. And even though our prices are good right now, tomorrow they may not be as good and next month they may be way, way better than good. Um, and, And that's the part of being in DeFi. So, uh, again, I really appreciate the opportunity for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. I'm always open to learning more about the people that are building in space and also just learning about more DeFi protocols and everything like that. But before we end today's episode, I do have one more question for you. I ask this question to every podcast guest I have, and that question is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I'm a people watcher. I really like like going to malls and stuff and just like watching <laughs> people. But my fiance freaks out because she says I just stare at people. Uh, so I guess invisibility would be kind of cool. Uh, being able to just kind of like pass her by, which kind of sounds creepy, but 
you know, I just, I just like watching people and like enjoying life in that, in that avenue, just seeing how. Just kind of living life on spectator mode. Yeah, man. I, I really enjoy that. I, I love seeing, I love seeing that and just watching people pass by and um, kind of do their own thing and, and be in their own um, element, I guess. So that's, that's cool. That's a really unique way to kind of, let's look at it. That, that, that's really cool. I, I, or, that's a pretty unique uh, answer, but I like it. I like it. It's I like always like unique. I like something different. It's uh yeah, just like just like your project. It's different. It's unique, and I'm excited to learn more. But to kind of end the episode here, I want to thank you again for coming on. I know your uh, your 18 hour days. I know uh, this might not have been the best thing, but I appreciate you kind of opening up time to talk about your project. And I also want to thank the audience for listening to this episode today you all are the whole reason while while uh, why austin and i are here today so i just thank you again and if you do want to continue to support us feel free to follow uh uh the nft nation podcast on our social medias it is at nft underscore nation underscore podcast that is on twitter instagram uh youtube and tiktok so it's all the same username, so feel free to follow us and even message us any questions. Or maybe you just want to say that you you enjoyed the episode. Feel free to tell us that as well. Also, share this podcast with a friend. It really helps. And also, if you want to uh, continue to support us, you can follow the podcast on Spotify. And you can also leave a five-star review. That really tells Spotify that, hey, we're pretty small, but, you know, NFT Nation makes pretty good content. So yeah, guys, that's going to be pretty much uh, that's going to be it for me today. Austin, do you want to say anything before we head out here? Yeah, man, I really I just want to say that people listening understand this kid's hustle. Uh, he does really good work, and I think it's important to support uh, a younger audience that's growing up in DeFi. And I think what he's doing is, is really special. So if you have time, make sure you're doing you know doing the things he just asked and follow him. Uh, and give him that time because uh, it's really special to see you know uh, people of your age group trying to make it in this space as well and and that's what i love about DeFi. thanks man i really appreciate that that really uh helps me kind of lights the fire under my butt to keep working and yeah, yeah i think i'm i'm gonna I'm, I'm excited about the future and yeah that's gonna be it for me today see you guys <laughs>